Listen Notes is a podcast search engine. Listen Notes allows users to find podcasts by categories, popularity, and search queries. Listen Notes is not a podcast client that you download onto your phone, but it allows users to build playlists. These playlists are automatically published to an RSS feed so that users can curate a playlist on desktop and subscribe to that playlist from any podcast client. Podcasts are growing in popularity. There are more podcasts than ever before, and a podcast search engine needs to refresh its index regularly enough to capture the updates to the podcast universe. A podcast search engine needs to decide what to index. There are many potential fields to choose from within a podcast. You've got the podcast title, the description, the audio transcription, and other metadata. Should all of these factor into the results of a search engine? Winbin Fang is the founder of Listen Notes, and he's the engineer who has built most of the application. He joins the show to talk about the world of podcasting and his work on Listen Notes, including the business model. Today, Listen Notes makes its money from advertisements and API requests. Yes, there is a growing market for applications that want to make API requests for querying the back end of Listen Notes, a podcast search engine. Find Collabs is the company I'm building. Find Collabs is a place to find collaborators and build projects. If you're looking for collaborators, or you're looking for a project to work on, or you're looking for a co-founder for a new business, check out findcollabs.com. There are hundreds of collaborators on there looking for other people to work with. And we're having an online hackathon with $2,500 in prizes. So if you're working on a project or you're looking for other programmers to build a project with, check out Find Collabs. I've also been interviewing some people for the Find Collabs podcast. If you want to learn more about the community and how the projects come together, you can check out the Find Collabs podcast. Thanks for listening, and let's get on with the show. Winbian Fang, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hello, happy to be here. You started a podcast search engine. Why would you do that? So it was originally a side project of mine. I started in early 2017 because I wanted to have a way to consume podcasts by episodes, not by podcasts. Because back then, all the podcast players require you to subscribe to podcasts first and then listen to episodes, which was not very content, uh, which was not very intuitive. So a search engine is the first step. So you can search episodes by topic, and then you only listen to those episodes. You don't need to uh, subscribe to podcast. But back then, I spent about one week finishing the, the uh, prototype, but I didn't touch the code for about nine months. So but personally, I used that side project during the nine months. And uh, in September 2017, I... Uh, work on it full time, so and gradually you become a company. <laughs> hmm. Well, the initial problem that you were solving, the fact that you wanted a way to search by episode, as opposed to subscribing to every podcast that you wanted to listen to an episode of, that is a 
typical problem of the podcast world. The podcast world has so many of these little rough edges that make it not ideal, but it also makes the industry pretty beautiful in certain ways. Why is it that there are so many small issues with the podcast industry? I mean, we could talk about analytics. We could talk about the the number of podcast players that are out there. But why are there all these different little problems in the podcast world? Because podcasts are distributed via RSAs and not any company. It's an open protocol. Not any company owns the full stake of the podcast world. So, for example, for videos, we have YouTube, which takes care of uh, the player on the client side, the storage, the hosting on the server side, and it has the analytics, advertising, a bunch of things. But for podcasts, well, it's, it's a distributed thing. And every podcaster, theoretically, every podcaster needs to uh, take care of the uh, content creation and hosting, things like that. It's pretty fragmented. It's pretty fragmented. How do podcasts fit into your life? Well, I listen to podcasts a lot uh, every day. I spend probably more than five hours listening to podcasts. I like consuming audio contents. So when I was a child, when I was in primary school in China, I started listening to radio a lot. And then over these years, I listened to podcasts more and more. The first time I listened to podcasts was 2008, when I got my first iPhone. And back then, there were no many pro, pro, uh, podcasts. So it made sense to subscribe to a few podcasts and listen to those podcasts again and again. But gradually, you know, there are more and more podcasts, and I'm not able to subscribe to all of them. <laughs> So, yeah, we're we're uh, almost to the point where there is enough podcast content for me to actually continually have audio content that I'm looking forward to. But I don't know about you, I still get to a point in, I would say most days, because I'm like you, I probably listen to podcasts three to five hours per day. Most days, I reach a point where I'm like, man, there's nothing that I have that I want to listen to. I think there will be a point where I will just be drowning in content that I'm looking forward to, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. So it's actually very interesting. So before this announced, there will be around 2016. So I subscribed to quite a few podcasts. On one hand, I couldn't listen to every single episode of all those subscribed podcasts. On the other hand, I am running out of content because uh, not every episode uh, of those subscribed podcasts uh, is interesting. So the domain of podcast search, there are some domains where we want a vertical search engine and there are some domains where we just want a horizontal search engine. We basically want Google. What are the domains where a vertical search engine makes sense? Why is podcasting one of those vertical domains that makes sense to have its own search engine? So search engine, so let's take Google, for example. How many search results on Google's first search result page? By default, it's 10, right? And among these 10 search results, well, you can... so. These are web pages, and gradually Google uh, added more media t- 
types on the search result page. Like you, uh, when you search your thing, you can see images, you can see videos, you can see uh, web pages, local businesses, Google Maps, right? But on the screen, the screen size is limited. If you want to put one more media types in the search result page, you have to squeeze out other media types. So if you were Google, what kind of media types you want to sacrifice to make way for podcast? So in this case, I think podcast is getting some momentum, but I don't think podcast is mainstream yet. I don't think podcast is important enough for Google to sacrifice, let's say, image, video, local business, or other types of media contents from the, the first uh, search result page. That's my, my take. But shouldn't Google be able to figure out if a user is a frequent podcast listener and that they're interested in podcasts? And shouldn't they be able to, to yes. detect from the user's query? Like if I search like Joe Rogan software, then it should be sending me, you know, like podcast episodes about... So Google is actually doing a good job for this type of query. When you search your podcast name, uh, you will show some uh, re related podcasts uh, in a search result page. So in many cases, we, when we search a person's name, let's say if this person is just a VC, right, a venture capitalist, so Google presents uh, podcast search results on the first page, or should Google present uh, some uh, podcast interviews? I, th I think this is quite tricky. But if you search a venture capitalist name on listen notes, all you get are uh, podcasts. So describe how people use listen notes, which is your podcast search engine. So listen notes is a search engine and database for podcasts, but actually we provide two interfaces. One is website for most people in the world, no matter you know te technology or not. The second interface is API for developers. API stands for Application Programming Interface. It's an interface. So let's, let's look at website first. So on the website, you can use the search engine, but there's a playlist feature called Listen Later, which is as popular as the search engine itself. So people come to listen notes, they want to find some episodes about a person, about a topic, so they search, they find some episodes in the search result, then what's next? Typically, they will save these episodes into the listen later playlist. And many people actually bring the playlist to their favorite uh, podcast player apps because the playlist provides an RSS fee, so you can subscribe to this RSS fee. Like myself, I don't subscribe to any podcast nowadays. I only subscribe to one RSS fee, which is my Listen Later playlist. Mm. Oh, right. So by this point, I think I already listened to around 2,000 episodes in the uh, Listen Later playlist. Wow. Okay. So this is blowing my mind. I just want to pause here because I hadn't actually understood how you built this feature or, or how this feature interacted with podcast clients. So what you're describing is I can go on to listennotes.com. I can have a web browser based experience where I'm looking through all these episodes. You know, you've got a, you've got a fully fledged web search engine where I can 
find cool episodes by categories or by you know by by actually searching for for example if i want to hear all the podcast interviews with Oh, who's a non-controversial example? Um, Stuart Butterfield. I want to find all the interviews with Stuart Butterfield. I can add all of those to my Listen Later playlist, which creates an RSS feed, and then I can send that RSS feed to my podcast client, whatever the podcast client is, and that gives me one big RSS feed that can be my only RSS feed I need to subscribe to. Right. And you can share this RSS feed with anyone. Wow. So whenever you add a new content, all those people who subscribe to this feed will get the latest contents as well. Actually, some content curating services use these notes to do the podcast curation. I, I don't know whether you've heard uh, the service called The Browser. What is it called? The Browser? The Browser, yes. They curate articles. You, you, you can Google it. It's on the first search result, the browser. They are quite, quite big now. And then recently they, uh, enter the podcast space. So they previously they curate articles. Right now they are curating podcasts as well. So basically they use this and later, use this and later on this and notes to create a playlist. And then they distribute this playlist to their, uh, their audience. And then on this end data, you can also annotate episodes. So like you, you find an episode, you can write some notes about this episode. And, the, and these notes will appear in the RSS feed as well. So people use whatever podcast app to subscribe to this feed and they can see the notes. So one of the challenges of the podcast space is that it is extremely decentralized you have this rss infrastructure and the tension is that not only is it decentralized but there are reasons for data gravity in order to build good podcast infrastructure specifically mm -hmm. to get a good podcast search experience or to get an ideal podcast search experience you would want to take the transcription of every podcast episode, you know, typical podcast episodes are 40 to 80 minutes. You want to, you want to put it through a transcription algorithm, which is expensive. You get a transcription and then you want to index that transcription. So you not only have, you know, like you, you not only have the expensive transcription process, you have all the expensive metadata creation to, in order to build a search index across that. And you want to do that for every podcast Podcasting is this long tail world. And so that is <laughs> yeah. that is one of the fundamental so, tensions that has made the podcast infrastructure kind of so hard so hard for so long because there's no centralized well, Yeah, go ahead. I, I would argue that transcription is unnecessary. So we can take YouTube, for example. Can you search transcripts on YouTube? I think so. I think actually do, doesn't. Uh, well, I'm, I, I don't know if it's if it's explicit. Okay. I, I thought <laughs> that, that YouTube actually does transcribe most videos. Maybe not most videos, or maybe, is it just the fat head? Perhaps. You can you you, you can see captions, auto-generated right. captions for videos. But can you search? If you cannot search, why? Why not? Why not Google provide this kind of feature? <laughs> well, it's not explicit. I mean, when you enter a search into Google search, there's a whole lot going on beneath the covers. And that's the same thing that goes on at YouTube. It doesn't tell you your query is now being run against the transcript. It's just happening. I, I believe that the transcript of the YouTube videos are okay. there. 
Yeah, so you don't think so? I don't think so. But because I think for uh, YouTube videos or for podcasts, a lot of contents like what we are doing right now, conversational contents, right? And the keywords in this type of content uh, are buried among a bunch of random words, which dilute the signals for search. And I would argue that if anything important in the in the podcast, they should already be in the in the metadata, either in title, in description, in show notes. No, that's not true. Okay. No way. <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance. No, I mean, I, I do so many shows where, okay, I think I'm an exception because I write a pretty long introduction for most of my interviews. So like, you know, the introduction goes into this preamble, which is in the WordPress post, which ends up as part of the metadata. And so that's pretty useful. But think about Joe Rogan's episodes. Right. They're three hours long. Yep. And the and the, the all the only metadata is episode 1345, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, a conversation with Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. That is not nearly enough metadata. Yeah, there are all, always some uh, some cases like that, but you get a name in a title and your people search Jack Dorsey. Uh, they can find the episode. Yeah, there there are more keywords you can put uh, in the show notes. And some podcasts are doing good job in uh, providing uh, informative keynotes, uh, the show notes. So for listen notes, uh, we index all the in the metadata, but for we only index a small portion of the episodes index transcripts. We really? Oh, so you, we so you just transcribe a subset? We transcribe uh, a few episodes. So there are, as you said, uh, the transcription is uh, is expensive, and there are so many episodes in the world, right? We cannot. <laughs> How expensive is it? Yeah, because I've tried to do this. I've I've done I've done a little bit of research. It's so expensive. We cannot transcribe all of these episodes all at once. How much does it cost per episode or per minute or per hour or something? So we use uh, Google's uh, speech to text API to, to, to do transcription. And if I remember correctly, every minute it costs uh, 0, 0.0 something dollars. Yeah, I, I don't remember the numbers. Just let me do a quick search. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'll, like I can give you some some numerical context. So there was a there was a winter break uh, a couple years ago, and I don't really celebrate holidays. So I, you know, uh, during during the break, I I was like, cool, this is a great like set of two weeks, and I can hack on something. And I I was like, I'm gonna transcribe some of my episodes and and see if I can do some clustering across those episodes. You know, because I think that's that'd be interesting if I could you know naturally cluster episodes around React JS or Bitcoin or Kubernetes or something. So I get onto Google Cloud and you've got your free $300 in credits. And I'm like, oh, surely $300 will be enough to to get all of my episodes uh, transcribed and clustered. And I got through maybe 25 episodes. So it was like $300 to, in, to index or to transcribe um, about 25 episodes. I think it was 25 or 30 episodes. Yeah, I, I, I got a number now. 0 0.024 per minute. 0.024 per minute. Or sorry, 60 minutes is 10 bucks? No, 12, 1.44. $1.44. $1.44. Oh, it's only a dollar per hour. Maybe the, maybe the price, I guess the price has gone down the last couple. That's not too bad. A dollar per hour not is too not bad. too bad. Not too bad. It'll, too it'll, bad. It'll, yeah. get, it'll get, it'll definitely get cheaper. Definitely get cheap enough eventually. Yeah, yeah. So you, but you said you transcribe a subset 
of the Only episodes to you? The Only most popular few. ones or what? No, no, no. So, so actually, people can order transcripts through uh, listeners' website. So if they, they want a transcript, they can pay listeners, and then we use the money to, to do the uh, speech-to-text transcript from Google. So basically, the price we charge is, is barely cover the cost for, for the API pricing. Yeah. Right. Is, the, is the, uh, the automated transcription, is that good enough, or do you have to kick it to like a mechanical Turk and get it pr- proofread? Well, it's good enough for, uh, for the search engine to index. So you can, you can service some uh, keywords, right? I think it's also good enough for human beings to, to, to read, but <laughs> to sort of read. <laughs> certainly, certainly, it's no, it's far from perfect. <laughs> but you, you know, many people, many people, they have they have disability uh, on hearing, so they cannot listen to podcast contents. So they need to read. Yeah. So this is the primary use case uh, for for these trans- transcripts. Yeah. Hey, taking a step back. The format that has been the most popular for podcasts has been the two-person interview format, the, the, the kind of conversation we're having right now. And what I wonder is, is that format just popular because it's convenient, because it's kind of easiest to make? Or is this something that we just crave, this conversational format whether it's in audio or, or written format? Do we just want more conversations? I think it's both. So on the supply side, certainly uh, it's easier to produce. Like you and me, we are talking right now. For me, I don't need to prepare anything. You ask question, I answer, right? So on the supply side, on the creator side, it's easier to create. And on the demand side, uh, I think listeners want to have this type of content, conversational content. They want podcasts to accompany them. So it is more genuine for this type of conversation. It's no manufacturers uh, to some degree, yeah. Right. I, you know, I thought it was so interesting. Did, did you listen to these Jack when Jack Dorsey went on the podcast tour recently? He did five or six podcasts. Did you listen to some of those? I listened to the Joe Rogan one, and I listened to maybe other others. I need to go through my playlist. Yeah, you, I listened to so many podcasts. Well, you got to use listen and, notes. Uh, those ones are good. <laughs> they, they, they were good. But what was interesting was there was a lot of reporting on his podcast episodes after he had done them. And I thought it was interesting because the podcast episodes were basically the event that happened and the news sources became the derivatives of the podcast content. So I think in some ways the podcast world is like a front running of the news cycle. It's like the news is developing on the podcasts now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's very easy to create podcasts now. You just talk and you don't need much preparation. And uh, you can capture a lot of attention from listeners. Like uh, you can spend one hour or two hours recording a podcast. Maybe you spend another few hours uh, editing, but you capture a full hour's attention from uh, listeners. Compared with uh, blogging, you spend maybe one hour <laughs> right. writing a proposal. You capture two minutes <laughs> exactly. of, of, of readers' attention, right? So the ROI doesn't work. Yeah, it does. Let's talk a little bit about one more quick, just quick question on this cultural issue, this cultural aspect <laughs> okay. of podcasting. 
Do you think that there is an increased desire for these long-form conversations because we are exhausted from the written word or exhausted from the social media formats, the tweets, the Facebook posts? We, we just want something different. Is there, is there a sense of exhaustion that is causing people to really want podcasts more? To be frank, I don't know how to answer this. I can only t- talk about my own experience. Yeah, uh, tell me about your experience. So, when I, I listen, mean, what caused, uh, so we we have to we have, we have to admit this is a strange world you and I have gotten ourselves into when we listen to four or five hours of podcasts right, per day. Right. You live in San Francisco, right? Yeah, I'm in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, so we both live in San Francisco, the most vibrant, interesting... Well, okay, I don't want to say most vibrant, interesting... There's a lot of people here we could have great conversations with, and yet we are listening to podcasts for four or five hours a day. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Where do you listen to podcasts? When, when do you listen to podcasts? I'm curious. When I'm cooking, when I'm going for a run, when I'm going for a walk, when I'm... Yeah, that's the main thing, but I, but I, I mean, it, it causes me to cook more. It causes me to go on more runs and walks and go to the gym more. Yeah, similarly, I I also listen to podcasts when I am writing code. You know, okay. nowadays, uh, modern software engineering is mostly about Googling, using <laughs> overflow, yes. GitHub, moving code around. So a lot of the time, you don't need to think much. It's basically mechanical uh, activities. But sometimes you do need to think. So you can double tap uh, AirPods to stop like for five minutes, 10 minutes. After you finish some critical code, and then okay, resume listening. I also listen to podcasts in in, in situations like yours, uh, with my eyes, with my hands occupied, but my ears are available to consume information. Yeah, oftentimes I just want to uh, get some information. It doesn't need to be uh, knowledge or anything. I might just just want to want, want to get entertained. Like I listen to a lot of uh, Game of Thrones uh, podcasts, <laughs> and if I miss uh, ten minutes content, probably that's fine. <laughs> so that's my case. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's get to engineering. You index all the podcasts. That sounds complicated. How often are you crawling the world of podcasts, and how do you do that crawling? So the answer is twenty four seven. So yeah. It's like any search engine. You need to have crawlers uh, running every second, every minute. So essentially, uh, Listen Notes uh, is a directory of podcasts. And on top of the directory, there's a search engine. And we can generalize this a bit. Many online services are directory of things. Or at least they started as directory of things. Listen Notes is a directory of podcasts. Yelp we can consider it as directory of businesses. IMDb, directory of movies. Giphy, directory of GIFs, right? So for all these directory of things, how do we build the directory? Yeah, there, there are several common ways. First, you can run crawler to automatically crawl data from the open internet. Second, you can have human beings to manually type in the contents either from users or from uh, yourself uh, as a developer. Third, you can buy data from third-party services. So for listeners, obviously, we we run crawlers. We we can get into a little bit detail on this part uh, in a minute. And and we also rely on human beings to type in 
content to submit new podcasts. So if I find uh, some, if I cannot find any podcasts on listeners, I myself would submit the RSS feed to listeners. But as listeners gets more and more popular, um, uh, there uh, there are dozens of new podcasts submitted to listeners by podcasters themselves. So they come to listeners, they submit the RSS feed, and most of these podcasts are new podcasts. They may uh, submit to iTunes or other directories at the same time, but other directories may have a very long approval uh, process. They may wait a few days to get approved, but for this and uh, we approved uh, almost instantly. And uh, the, the third part, uh, buying data from third party, we don't do that. <laughs> but other directory of things type uh, services, they may buy data from third party. For example, if you want to start a competitor of Yelp, Somehow you need to build a local business directory. How do you do that? I believe if you Google uh, local business database, you will find some, 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 some companies selling this kind of database. So you can bootstrap by just paying people to buy the database. Yeah. What's your crawling infrastructure look like? Do you have long-running servers that are sitting there? Or are you spinning up Lambda functions? Yep. Yep. Or what are you doing? No lambda. I'm I'm using very boring oh, technologies. Very boring. <laughs> so, boring, boring is yeah, fine. Boring. Tell uh, me about I, the boring. Yeah. So at this moment, I have eight worker servers running, eight uh, servers, and I run crawlers on these eight servers. So first, we need to get the podcast, get the ISS fee, right? You can imagine I've been a list of destination websites that we constantly crawl to see if there are uh, RSS fees. And we also have uh, crawlers to check if podcasts have new episodes. So that's pretty much it. Okay. And, and so do you, do you just query, are you mainly looking at the Apple index or is it, what's the best thing to query to actually understand if new podcasts have been added? Well, so if you Google podcast directory, and you can see a lot of directories. Yeah, iTunes directory is the biggest one, right? But there are other uh, directories on internet. For example, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, a lot, a lot of them. So I think this is a common practice for all the podcast apps. If they build their own uh, database, they build their own directory. Does Spotify publicize what's in their directory or is it a walled garden? I don't close, close Spotify, so I cannot answer this question. Spotify's directory, I think Spotify's directory is, is quite small uh, compared really? with, with others. So they don't bring in everything? It's just like a subset? So their podcast business is quite new. It is growing fast, but it's quite new. I, I, need, to, I need to do some research on my end as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Tell me about what you do to build your search engine? You're, you're using Elasticsearch, right? Yes, of course. So what's, <laughs> It's 2019 now. It's 2019. Okay, so what's the process when you're ingesting a new set of episodes and you want to add those episodes to your Elasticsearch index? What kind of code runs? Well, it's just plain old Python code. So basically, I check all the podcasts, ISS fees, constantly uh, checking. And whenever we find... Uh, new episodes, we edit episodes into Postgres. 
which is the, the single source of truth, the Postgres database. At the same time, we add a metadata into uh, Elasticsearch. You use Elasticsearch uh, index API. So nobody fancy. Nothing fancy. <laughs> okay. Is cost management an issue for you? How much data do you have uh, and, and is it problematic? Let me see. So for Elasticsearch data, a few hundred gigabytes, I think, at this moment. A few hundred. It's, it's, not, it's not a lot. A few hundred gigabytes is not a big data. Are there any other elements of the infrastructure that are particularly expensive or do you feel like it's a pretty cost-efficient operation? So in total, I am spending a little bit over $1,000 per month for the entire infrastructure. Oh, that's great. So I'm running everything on Elastic, uh, no, yes. I'm running everything on AWS. And there are 20 EC2 instances, uh, eight workers, worker in servers, three Elasticsearch servers, three database servers running Postgres, and three API servers, two web servers. I think that's pretty much it. Oh, and one uh, low balancer. One, yeah, okay. 20 servers. Did you say two web servers and three API servers? Yes, three API servers. So the API business is not very obvious to most people. So many people come to listen to us, oh, there's a website. <laughs> yes. But as I mentioned before, we provide two interfaces, one for most people in the world, website, and the second one uh, is for developers. So right now we are maintaining two versions of APIs, version one and version two. Version one is the, is the legacy stuff. So one server is enough. And uh, version two is the main focus right well, now. Well, I'm a, a believer in your strategy because I don't think that the podcast world wants to be centralized. And if it doesn't become more centralized, well, okay, people are going to centralize it. But there are, people are also going to decentralize it at, at a faster pace. It's like, what happened with Linux? Well, it was centralized in the sense that like Red Hat made an enterprise version of it. But it was also just like massively decentralized at a much, much faster rate. And I think podcasts are going to work in the same way where people are going to build centralized indexes of them and, you know, data gravity stuff around like subsets of the podcast world. But at the same time, people like the podcast world as it is and and they're going to double down on the way that it's already been built, which is kind of where you're going. The, the idea of a, of a podcast API is really smart because people want to build their own clients and people want to, s to have their own clients. Right. Like people right. want st strange right. clients. Yeah, people have different tastes. So this API business is uh, an extent. So it's a what? It's an extent. I didn't plan for it, but some developer requested it from me. They, they asked uh, one, developer asked me if I can provide the, the uh, API for them to access the, the search engine. So it's, it was late 2017. So I quickly put together a prototype providing three endpoints, one for search and one for getting metadata for a particular podcast and the third one getting metadata for a particular episode. And then I hook up with a third party uh, API gateway which handles the billing and documentation, things like that. So it's, it's a pretty quick process. So I launched the API in 20, end of 2017, and I didn't touch it 
of many vans. So the API business typically grow very slowly because when people discover your API, they need to spend a few months to build an app first. And they need to spend another few months to market the app, to grow the user base, to iterate. So if you start API business, you need to wait for a long time to see any kind of traction. So for us, it, it, it's the same. So we launched the API in late 2017, and we see uh, we, we started to see some traction in the end of 2018, so almost one year, after some apps launch and get some uh, usage. Let's unpack the API details. So you, you, first of all, you mentioned this, a, this third-party API gateway. Explain the role of an API gateway and, and who is your API gateway provider. Right. right. So maybe I, I should use the word uh, API marketplace. So rapid, API, you use Rapid API? Rapid, yes, Rapid API. But okay, I, I love Rapid. I, 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 need to, I need to explain a bit. So, pre, so initially, I, I used Mesh App. Mashape, yeah, Kong. yeah, yeah, yeah. They sold their business to. They sold the API marketplace. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit complex. So, so initially, I used that service and then got merged into Rapid API, and then Rapid API rebranded a bit. So it's a, it's essentially a, a marketplace. It's like Uber, but for API, and it's two side market. You have API providers like me providing podcast API, and you can imagine there's an API for everything. Weather API, Maps API, Music API, whatever. And on the other side, uh, developers, they want to use API to accelerate the development of their apps, right? And the API marketplace, essentially an API gateway. So any API request need to go through the API gateway. So they can measure or how many requests a particular developer is using and then they can do the accounting, how much money uh, an API developer need to pay for a specific API provider, things like that. And they handle the billing. They take, I think, 20% cut for the fee. Holy yeah. smokes. Didn't know it was 20%. That's a lot. <laughs> well, it makes sense. You look, App Store takes 30%. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the healthiest benchmark, but right now we are we have our own API gateway, so we are not relying on Rapid API anymore. Okay, all right. That's V two. Yeah. Would you you move to Kong? No, no, no. I I built my own from scratch. Built your own. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, that that's probably going to be your next your next uh, product, the uh, <laughs> accidental API gateway product. So. How do people use the API? Are they building mm. clients around it, or yeah. are they doing weird things? All kinds of things. So uh, if you go to listennotes.com slash API, and I have a list for APIs, uh, for, for apps that are using listennotes API, and those apps are already launched. There are more, more apps are still under development. You know, people need to spend many months to build, a, build an app. So for those apps, uh, let's see. Most of these apps are some kind of player apps. So there's a, what, an app called Pod Talk, is to discuss podcasts in groups. And there's an app called Podcast Lounge, is a Windows 10 app, a desktop app. And there's an app called Podcoin. You listen to podcasts, you earn coins. 
Yeah, it has nothing to do. Yeah, it has nothing to do with crypto. It's it's virtual virtual currency, and you can use the coin. You can use the virtual currency to buy things. I think exchange for Amazon gift card to donate to charity. This app is pretty popular, actually. So, Jeff, let me ask you a question. So, which category in App Store does most podcast apps belong to? Which category? Oh, I don't know the categories well, but media maybe or audio. News, news, news. Oh, of course. Yes. Okay, so I don't tell you the the answers, but afterwards, if you are interested, go to the news category and then see the top chart. You can see a bunch of podcast apps there. So in the top chart of the the news category in App Store, you can see a bunch of podcast apps. And yeah, you will be surprised. There are so many podcast apps nowadays, and there 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 will be new podcast, more and more new podcast apps coming out. Okay, hold on. Let's let's focus on this Podcoin thing. Why is there a podcast that rewards you with Amazon gift cards for listening to podcasts? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, I think app marketing is is very tough nowadays, right? You can spend money on advertising on Facebook, on Google, or you can hand out money directly to users. I don't know whether this is the answer. <laughs> Man, that just sounds like fraud. That's got fraud written all over it. <laughs> it's like got to be some kind of scamminess. No, no. I, I I think it's quite legit. You can download the app and then and then try it out. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand. Like, what's the economics? Like, okay, so if I'm the Podcoin owner, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess are the, is there's there's in-app advertising maybe. So yeah, like maybe. the premises. So I download Podcoin. I, I think they are still very early uh, in in this app development. Uh, they they can build the audience first and then monetize in app, right? And maybe they can do partnership with with um, trends. So oh, you 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 want to promote your product here then. Uh, people can use coins to exchange for a product, something like that. Okay. Then, let's get back to a topic. Uh, who are using this and those API? So these are apps. Very obvious. Sure, right. Uh, very obvious. Well, well, what about like research? Are are yeah. there like researchers who are like querying for all for like podcast statistics or something? Well, no, for statistics, we don't provide statistics. But a lot of PR agencies or marketing agencies, they are actually using this and those, uh, either the API or the website to do research on their own. So for example, a PR agency may want to check whether their clients appear on certain podcasts, right? Something like that. And they, some of them are using Listenos API to build internal tools to help streamline their process. And for this type of, this, this kind of tools, I don't think I can list them on my public page. So it's internal tools. So the transcription business, when somebody makes an API request, we don't provide transcription through API. The transcripts, why not? Are, the transcripts, to be frank, uh, transcripts are not very accurate, and only a small portion, a tiny portion of all episodes in the world have transcripts on this and those. But you just you said earlier that like you can request a transcript. Yep. And then you will get the transcript made, and then there's a callback oh, eventually, and then 
Yeah, so the- we we only provide this on website for now. Maybe there's an extension to API in the future. I'm not sure now. That'd be cool. I, yeah. I mean, I think it'd be cool if if because the thing is, what you could do is you could charge the first person who who requests the the transcript the full mm-hmm. cost for the transcription plus you know they actually get the transcription. But if future people request the same transcript, you've already got it mm-hmm. made. You can keep charging, mm-hmm. and you can uh, make a, make a profit. But that's probably <laughs> that's probably not a very profitable business. Right, transcripts are not my main focus. It's, it's a nice to have thing. Nice to have. What What do you think is going to be the the viable business model? It's very interesting. So uh, last bands was actually the first bands that we broke even. <laughs> so you broke even. Congratulations! Yeah. So you took me. Does that include your salary? Yeah, including my living expense in San Francisco plus some some business. Congratulations! Costs. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it That's just fantastic. broke even. No profit yet. <laughs> so still need to work my way up. Right, but so uh, and and that's mostly off of API payments. Some from API and some from advertising. So if you go to my website, you see the the banner ads, right? The primary sources of revenue are advertising on website and the API from two right. interfaces. Right. Right. Yeah. So the website itself is pretty popular. It's okay. So we are getting something like one point four million page views per month right That's now. That's solid. That's solid. And it's growing. So yeah, not bad. And, and API and- is growing as well. And how yeah. frequent is this use case where somebody goes to your website and they build a feed for themselves and then they subscribe to the... It's a lot. So actually, the previous feature is, is very popular. I got to so do that. I, I'm going to do that. As I said, some people are actually building a business on top of the, the previous feature for free. Are they they're building their own... They're building like a client around that because that's missing a client, no, no, right? No, no. So, so they are curating contents and they are charging... Uh, their audience oh my accessing God. this. this so because my playlist can be private, can be unlisted, can be public. So you can make the playlist uh, private or unlisted. So you can only share this playlist with people who pay you. Something well, like that. Th- see, that's, that's actually a pretty good business because I'm sure you've had this experience where you just get like maybe it's uh, maybe it's Saturday and you've got nothing to do the whole weekend. Like your whole calendar is clear and you're like, I want to spend mm-hmm. the weekend. I'm gonna. I want to listen to even more podcasts than I normally do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna total binge. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do ten hours this right. weekend. But I really want to right. find some good stuff to listen to. So you spend uh-huh. like fifteen to thirty minutes just looking for good interviews. You can always find mm-hmm. weird old stuff or like interviews with some of your right. favorite people. Like you know. Right. You know. I, I remember. I was. I was interested in. There was some investor that was like that. I found interesting and like I found like mm-hmm. really old interviews with him and it was like right. super. Exactly. exactly. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting because you get to go back and kind of hear. Oh, so this person. They sounded as interesting back then as they do today, but they were not as prominent. Actually, this is my favorite use case. So whenever I I see some famous people, I would want to find their old podcast interviews. <laughs> yeah. Like previously, maybe last year when GitHub got acquired, right? And I found some old interviews from GitHub founders. Wow. Really old, 2008 or 2010, something wow. like that. Yeah. How were they? It's interesting. 
They were very, very smart, obviously. <laughs> Sounds very smart in the old interviews. You, you can listen yourself. I got to check those out. Do, do you have public playlists of your own stuff, of the, the stuff you're curating? I have my public playlist. I, I can send it to you. So oh my God, please do. The, right, now, right now I'm checking is 1,977 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> <Okay>. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. That should take care of the plane ride I have tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I know you've written about why you don't have a client uh-huh. yet but i do i do my i'm just talking to you like you've got a really good taste for how people because i mean your your description of how how to use this idea of like oh you build your own rss feed and it just makes a, a endpoint for you and then you can put it into your podcast client i had never thought about that i've thought so much about the podcasting landscape and i had not thought about that idea but that seems really smart so uh, i need to i need to admit this is not my original idea so my original idea was, okay, so I need to have a playlist feature with episodes. Let's see. There's, there was no the RSS part, but one user of this channel suggested this feature. So I implemented the feature. So I didn't come up with the RSS idea. Well, so, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But have you thought any more? Ever since, since you wrote that, that article, have you thought more about mm-hmm. making a client or what, what are the, what are the priorities right now? What do, what do you think are the biggest, biggest impacts you can, you can make on your business or what are the biggest improvements you can make? Yeah. So I'm not going to make a podcast app or anything because making an app is very resource intensive. You spend time building the app and it's just the beginning. Launching the app is just the beginning. You need to continuously iterate the app and you also need to market the app and it's tough. Given that uh, right now there's only one full-time employee in the company, me, it's very tough to do that. And I'm not going to do that, which, and it also has a conflict of interest with my users. That's a good point. So better, I I don't need to, yeah. And actually the API is my uh, main focus right now. I think I can make an impact to to uh, accelerate the innovation of the podcast application space. So we provide API, and there are many smart people out there. They can creatively use the API to build something wonderful. I totally agree with you. I think that's a man. That's, what an interesting. Um, who would have thought podcast API? Hey, you're from China, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm from China. I grew up in China and I came to US uh, in 2010 for computer science PhD. Yeah. How do the engineering philosophies of Chinese engineers differ from those in the US? I don't know how to answer this question. So because I spent most of my my professional career in in US, so I'm actually not very familiar with the engineering side in China. Yeah, I, I, I have friends working in China and we talk a little bit, but I don't think I'm in the position to, to make comments here. Are we so different? I'm just trying to understand, you know, as we, we see more and more news and content that is drawing divisive lines between the American culture and the Chinese culture. Are you talking about 996? 
No, Something like well, that. not really the 996 <laughs> stuff. I'm actually a huge fan of the 996 stuff. I think that when people complain about the 996 stuff on Twitter, it's hilarious because I'm just like, why don't you go back to work instead of tweeting? Like, if you tweeted less, yeah. you'd probably have more time to do 996. Look, dude, I'm 997. I'm all about the work. Well, I mean, I guess a lot of my work is listening to podcasts, so I guess work was perhaps easier for me. You know, some of those four to five hours of podcast listening are, are considered like, quote unquote, work for myself. But no, I, I'm- <laughs> Me too. I, I'm more referring to the, I guess the perception, there's just this perception of China as this big monolith that that operates with cultural norms that are distinctly different than that of the U.S. And I went to KubeCon for China, and this was a very, I went to China for KubeCon, this was a very a small interaction with China. But my sense, from, just from talking to engineers, is people in China are just, they're just like the Americans. You know, maybe, maybe there's a difference in the leadership but I don't know. I'm just trying to to ease my fears of divisiveness in the future. Like I, I'm just trying to understand how globalized our current world is. I think engineers are pretty similar. We all use a search engine. We all search answers on Stack Overflow. We all use GitHub. Although podcast usage is different, right? Like they pay for podcasts. No, I disagree. They do. Oh, <laughs> so they don't. Okay. I, I, I can send you a, a couple of podcast episodes about Chinese podcasting, oh, quote unquote podcasting. So those are very good contents, demystified uh, the China podcasting okay. stuff. So. Probably you read the article from, I don't know which news media uh, read the article saying China's podcasting market is like 7 billion or something like that, which is not true. So we, we, we first uh, define what is a podcast. Well, audio is distributed via RSS, right? It's open, it's free. If, if you build wall garden and then you put audios inside the wall garden, you put up a, a subscription model, I don't think that's podcast. And in China, yes, there, there, there are a bunch of uh, paid audio contents, but mostly they are like uh, Coursera for audios. They are all educational contents, right. mostly. Very, very different from yeah. podcasts. Very different from the open ecosystem. Yeah. Okay, last question. You have worked at a couple other companies before listen notes you worked at nextdoor nextdoor looks to, looks to be very successful yes. you've also worked at a early startup that failed so you've seen what can go right at a company you've seen what can go wrong tell me some of the most important lessons that you've learned in the startup world don't give up too early so a startup uh, can only fail when the founders give up right Yes, startups can run out of money, but you can keep going. You can be scrappy. And eventually, uh, if you, you stick around long enough, probably you can make it work. And don't give up too early. That's a great piece of advice. And easier said than done. Yes. <laughs> At least, I think, you, if you want to do startup thing, uh, give it two years, two full years to see how things, how, how things work. I don't know where I, I read... I read this, maybe it's from some tweets. So someone is saying that for SaaS business, you need to give two years before seeing any any meaningful revenue, something like that. Jason Lemkin always so, says that. He's always like, 
Uh, <laughs> probably, probably for him. He's like, after him. two probably years, yeah. it starts to get okay. After three years, it starts to get positive. After four years, you really start to gain momentum. Yeah. So for this and those, I've been working on this thing close to two years by this point. So we just broke even last month. Hey, man, that's, <laughs> so, a, that's a milestone. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge milestone. It's just the beginning. So, yeah. All right. Well, just the beginning. And typically, when we hear about some wonderful digital product or some, some famous startup, it's already many, many years after they, they were founded. So companies don't grow very fast, typically. So sometimes we hear, quote, unquote, overnight success. It's not always true. We don't know the backstories. Totally agree. Well, Winbin, I'm sure we'll do more in the future because you're not going to give up and mm-hmm. I'm sure the product is going to evolve. <laughs> it's Thank it's you. great to talk to you. I'm sure we got to meet up in person at some point when we're not too busy listening to a podcast for five hours per day. We're so busy listening to podcasts for five hours a day, we can't even meet in person to do an interview in San Francisco. I bet we're like less than a mile from each other right now. Well, Winbin, thanks for coming on the show. It's been really fun talking to you. Me too. Thank you. Wow. 